0: Good morning, and I guess I can say Happy New Year to you now, and uh, my New Year's prayer for all of us is that it will bring warmth and love to you, and uh, I pray that we will just leave behind as best we can all the sadness and the regrets and the painful moments and start a new year with hope and joy, as, this, as the video said, Amen. Well, it's good to see you today, and I hope you had a joyous New Year celebration. And now it's time to get back to business. All right, we've had our break. And if you are our guest with us today, we're happy to have you at Burlington Baptist Church, and uh, you can uh, get a little gift uh, at you at the Welcome Center if you're a guest, so go stop by and and, and get that. Now, next week, I'm going to start a series called Let Us Encourage One Another. I am confident that we live in a world where we get put down every day of the week. And I want us to learn how to encourage each other, how to be an encourager out there that does not put down. I was in a restaurant not long ago, and I saw a man absolutely devastated this little waitress. And uh, it was a shame the way that he acted. And I want I want us to learn to be encouragers. So we'll start that next week. We're going to talk today about the one thing that we can count on in 2019. Let me pray and uh, we will get to it. Father, as we look at a new year, We are aware of how fragile life is. And this year makes us aware of the prayer of the psalmist who said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father, when we think about the mystery of time ahead of us this new year, it does cause us to be anxious. For we don't know what time will bring to us this year. But in such anxious moments, Help us to place our trust in you and your sovereign control over our lives. Now, Father, pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Remember the comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes? Calvin and Hobbes follows the humorous and antics of Calvin, a precocious and mischievous and adventurous six-year-old boy, and Hobbes, his cynical and sarcastic stuffed tiger. In one of the cartoons, Calvin comes marching into the living room early one morning. His mother is sitting there in her favorite chair, sipping her coffee. And she is amused and amazed at how Calvin is dressed. He has on a large space helmet. He has a cape draped around his neck and off his shoulders and goes down on the floor. In one hand, he's holding a flashlight, and in the other hand, he has a baseball bat. And she says, what's up today, Calvin? Well, nothing so far, Mom. So far? Well, you never know. Something could happen. And then Calvin walks away saying, and if anything does happen, I'm going to be ready for it. And Calvin's mother looks directly into the reading audience face and she says, I need a suit like that. Now, That's the way many of us feel as we face the new year. Especially the the volatile, frantic, violent world that we live in. And as we face 2019, we want a suit like Calvin's so that we can say with him, whatever may come, I'm going to be ready for it. Bring it on. I am ready. I don't have a suit like Calvin's to give you. There's no place that sells suits like Calvin's. However, there is one thing that we can count on in 2019, and that is God is in control. 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord. We adore you as being in control of everything. Now, when I went to seminary, the theologians have a a long word for that, and they call it God's sovereignty. Sovereignty just means that God is in absolute control of everything. God is the authority in life. My theology professor was the famous Dr. Jack Cottrell, and he has written a great book called Faith Once for All. And in that book, Dr. Cottrell says the key word for sovereignty is control. God is sovereign in the sense that he is in control of every event that takes place among creatures, whether he actually calls it or simply permits it to happen. Instead of preventing it, which he could do if he chose, either way, God is in charge he is in full control over his creation. He is sovereign. Now, let me make that personal. God is in control of our lives in ways that we really don't recognize, but he, we have, he's in control, and we have no choice in the matter. We did not choose our parents. <laughs> we did not choose where we were going to be born. We did not choose our nationality. We did not choose our personality, and many of us wouldn't choose the personality we got. We did not choose our talents. We did not choose our abilities. We did not choose our spiritual gifts. We did not choose our looks. If I had a choice, do you think I would look like this? I want to show you who I would look like. There's who I would look like. Ladies, get some eye candy here. That is my favorite golfer. Do you keep up with golf? That is my favorite golfer, Adam Scott. Now, that's a sin for a man to be that handsome. But Adam didn't get that. God gave Adam that. And he also gave him the ability to play golf, too. He really did. So out of God's sovereignty, God did all of this to us, and we had no choice in the matter. And you're thinking, okay, L.D., if God is in complete control, do I have any free choice at all? Do I have any say-so in my decision? Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, I am not preaching predestination, which means that every decision we make and everything that happens to us has been pre-ordered and predetermined by God, and we have no choice. No, I'm not doing that. We have freedom of choice, and freedom of choice, folks, is God's greatest gift to us besides salvation and besides Jesus. God take, took the greatest gamble that he could make when he created us. He created us with a free will. He even gave us the choice to either accept Jesus or not to accept Jesus. Man, what a gamble God made when he made us. Now, let me bring, explain free choice like this. How many of you have been on a cruise? How many of you have been on a cruise? Anybody been on a cruise? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you, you you can go to some wonderful places on a cruise. We've been we've been on a couple. One was for our 40th anniversary, and the second one I was the I was it wasn't much fun. I was the teacher, I was the preacher on a cruise, and I, I had to work, and I, everybody else got to enjoy it. And I had to, well, that has gone. Um, <laughs> but you go to some wonderful places: Jamaica, St. Thomas, Hawaii, Alaska up on the East Coast, to Nova Scotia, to Canada, wherever you went, on that cruise, man, you got a lot of choices. You can go to the top deck. You can go to the bottom deck. (laughs) You can eat all you want, when you want. You can eat all day long if you want. You can go to the gym. You can work out. You can jog. You can get a massage. You can go swimming, you can go bowling, you can go shopping. They have wonderful shows. Or my favorite, you could just sit on the deck and read and watch those crazy people jog around the, around, around. Or you could gamble your money away. Now, you have many, many choices on that cruise. But. You can't stop that cruise ship from going to its destination. The captain of that ship is going to take that ship to its destination. And it is going there regardless of what you do. Now, in life, we have freedom to choose. And we are absolutely free to make choices. And God gives us the choices. He even gives us the choice to ruin our lives. But we're not free from the consequences of our decisions. Does anybody know what I am talking about? God is in control. Now, for the believer, this is comforting news in a world that just seems spinning out of control. Doesn't it just seem like it's going crazy? We can survive any tragedy, any calamity of life, I believe, if we are convinced that God is in control. I have spent enough time in hospital waiting rooms, in emergency rooms, and in funeral homes to know that people can stand almost anything if they believe that God is in control. So as we face 2019, there are three things I want you to remember. Three things. Number one, because God is in control, our plans are limited. Because God is in control, our plans are limited. Look at the screen, Proverbs nineteen twenty one. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, things don't always go as we plan. Anybody want to stand and give a testimony? But would you agree that God often has a better plan and he often changes his plans? Our plans are tentative. We make our plans, but God has the last word. Amen? How many of you, no hands, how many of you? Have had God change your plans, no hands, no hands, and no hands on this one either. how many <laughs> how many of don't no hands and no just look straight, just look straight, just look straight. How many of you did not marry the first person you thought you were going to marry? No hands, don't flinch, don't move keep keep in that position. How many of you wish you had married that person that you thought you were going to? See, God changes our plans. Folks, I did not plan on being a pastor. When I went to school, I did not plan on being a pastor. I wanted to be an itinerant evangelist. I wanted to travel from place to place, preaching and going to another place and preaching. <clears throat> but God had better plans. God knew he, he wired me to be a pastor. He wired me to be in the local church. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> I didn't plan on ever living in Kentucky. As a young preacher, I had had some really terrible preaching experiences in Kentucky, and I was stupid enough and foolish enough to tell God, "This is the truth: I will serve you anywhere but Kentucky." and I have been here for 46 years. I was at Maui down on the beach early one morning. I thought, well, it worked once. Let me try it again. I would not come to Maui at all, Lord. I would not serve you in Maui. I would not serve it. Well, I'm still in Kentucky. And whoever thought that I, if you knew me well, that I, one of the biggest UK fans in the Commonwealth, would end up in Indiana, (coughs) 15 miles from Indiana University. God does have a sense of humor. It wasn't funny. I didn't think it was funny. And at times it was very painful to be a UK fan in that environment. And don't you think they didn't rag on me all the time, but I was very good. I only got in trouble one time. We beat them in the NCAA tournament, and all I said was, "Sorry about your luck. Let's pray." That was little lady who got mad at me and never came back to church since. We make our plans, but our plans are limited. And I am not telling you that you should not have goals. I'm saying. I'm not saying don't make plans for 2019. Proverbs 16.1 says, we should make our plans counting on God to do what? Direct us. God is telling us, don't be presumptuous. I know exactly what I'm going to do because we don't really know what he's going to do. Now, the older I get, the more i realize that the best plans <coughs> excuse me <a> minute. <coughs> our best plans somebody asked me the other morning what was in this and i said none of your business <laughs> our best plans are only tentative and we aren't in control of much make your plans but cooperate with god look at proverbs on the screen. We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. Pray about your plans. Praying or planning without praying is just crazy, isn't it? Planning without praying is crazy. In the 55 years that I have been doing this, I have prayed over and over and over. Lord, what's next? Lord, what's the next step? And that would be a good prayer for us to pray in the new year. Lord, what's the next step for my family, my career, my finances? Lord, what is the next step in my relationship with this that I'm involved in? Lord, what is the next step for my ministry? Lord, what do you want me to do at Burlington Baptist Church to serve you in the coming year? So there's one thing that we can count on in 2019 because God is in control Our plans are limited. The second thing that we can count on is because God is in control. Our problems have a purpose. Our problems have a purpose. Isn't that good news? We talked about that last week a lot. I I don't believe that life is a series of random events and no meaning or that everything is just accidents that come and go. I think life has meaning. Life has purpose. And now, now, now listen to me real close here. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a little theology, all right? Are you with me? If you are a believer, nothing comes into your life without the Father's permission. Everything that happens to us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is first father filtered. And that is hard to understand. That is hard to take. And that's when the why questions come. Knowing that this came, God didn't cause it. He allowed it to happen. And that's when the why questions come. This week we've had three friends. We have a friend in Nashville, Indiana where I preached. Their granddaughter's husband was in a terrible accident, car accident, and he was killed. They had been married for four months. Don't you think that they're asking why this morning? We have a friend who cut her finger, sort of got infected. Nothing was helping, so they thought, well, maybe i to have a checked out. Went to the doctor. And they said, well, let's do just a little blood work. They found these blasts in the blood, and she has acute leukemia. Don't you think they're asking why this morning? We have another friend who was fighting cancer in his lungs, and it looked like it was going away. Went back for a test and found out he had two different kinds of cancer now in his lungs, and now they're aggressive, and they're fighting it. Don't you think they're asking why? Everything that happens to us, yes, is father-filtered, And it does raise a lot of questions. And I am not saying that everything happens to us is God's will. I've heard preachers on the radio preach that. I am not saying that everything that happens to us is God's will. That is not true. God's will isn't always done on earth. That's why we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not saying God causes everything. He doesn't. God doesn't have to cause a lot of my problems. <laughs> I bring my problems on myself. <laughs> and we live in a fallen world. Don't forget that. And because we live in a fallen world, we have to deal with cancer and Alzheimer's Alzheimer's and diabetes and all kinds of diseases. Because we live in a fallen world. And a lot of my problems are just because I make dumb decisions then God can take those bad decisions and bring good out of them if we trust him, if we rely on him, if we let him, he can work it all out for his good and our glory. Folks, God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. He loves to bring good out of bad. He loves to bring better out of evil. God <laughs> is an expert at recovery, amen, because God is our Father. Our problems have a purpose, and then no matter what happens, we know that God is still in control, and he'll use them for his good and our glory. See, if we believe then, what's our response to these Father-filtered problems? How do we respond to these father-filled problems? Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. So we do not give up. Our physical bodies is becoming older and weaker, amen. But our spirit inside of us is made new every day. We have small troubles for a while. But they are helping us gain an eternal glory that is much greater than our troubles. Now, when you hear this, we have small troubles for a while. You almost laugh, don't you? You say, right. (laughs) You you don't know the week I've had. You, You don't know the life that I'm living. And it's almost comical to say that they are small troubles. But I think what Paul is trying to say, if we stack up all of our troubles against our future glory. Our troubles are small compared to our future glory. D- do you see the motivation that comes from comparing our small troubles to eternal glory, folks? Listen, if you just live in the here and now, if you just live in today, you don't think about eternity. If you just live in today, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a very depressing year. Second Corinthians four eighteen says, "We set our eyes on not what is seen." but on what we cannot see. What we see will last only a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. The things that we see in this world drag us down, and they're full of criticism and heartache and pain and rejection, but the things that we cannot see are eternal. And the only way to make it is to stay focused on eternal things. Look how encouraging Romans 8.31 is. This is from the message. It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? No matter what our problem is, we have hope. And our hope has a name, and it's Jesus. Romans 8, 35 and 39. This is also from from the message. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. No trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homeliness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing... Nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, the day or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Amen. That's our hope, not only for this year, but for the rest of our lives. Now, you have listened very well. So it's time to relax and do our little review, okay? If you're our guest, we use the review to relax and look at your watch and see how long this is going to go on. All right, so let's do a little review. Are you with me? Because God is in control, our plans will be limited. Because God is in control, our problems have a purpose. And because God is in control, Our prayers make a difference. Because God is in control, our prayers make a difference. Do you ever wonder if prayer works? Do you? Let me be honest with you. I've been praying about a situation for 15 years or better, and the situation has never changed. Still the same. I start praying and sometimes Satan whispers in my ear, why are you doing this? Why, why do you keep on doing this? No, no, Nobody's listening to you. You're wasting your time. Nothing has happened. It's the same as it was. Why are you doing this? Do you, does Satan ever talk to you like that? The truth is prayer works because God is in control and if God was not in control then prayer would be a waste of energy and time God controls the uncontrollable one of the most helpful truths about prayer I learned from my one of my favorite preachers and authors Craig Barnes and he's now the president of Princeton Theological Seminary In one of his books, I want you to pay close attention to this because this helped me more with my prayer life than anything that I had discovered in a while. He says, does prayer work? Does it really change things? The answer to that question is a resounding yes. But mostly what prayer changes is the person who is praying That is because in prayer, we enter into the presence of God, and we cannot do that without being changed dramatically. When we pray for others, we place them in the presence of God, in which they are also confronted with the possibility of change. You see, it isn't that prayer. God is powerful. And to pray is to give ourselves over to that enormous power. Now that doesn't mean that we will always receive what we ask for in prayer. Our our, our requests are never more. But our requests are never more than an invitation to enter into God's presence. There we discover that we receive not necessarily what we want, But God himself, we pray to attend to the presence of God in our lives. Isn't that revolutionary? That was revolutionary for me. It changed my prayer life. Just knowing that my heavenly father was waiting for me to come into his presence. Just to fellowship with me. Just to share his love with me. I love what Calvin Miller, the great Baptist preacher and author called it. Just sitting a spell with God. Just being in his presence. Sitting a spell with God. See, our prayers make a difference. Because God is in control. Let You are worried about your job. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about your health. You may be worried about dying. We can't control any of those. Ultimately, they are uncontrollable. But God is in control of all of them. So as we enter into this new year, I hope that you will enter into it with hope and peace. can we count on in 2019? Because God is in control. Our plans will be limited. Our problems have a purpose. And our prayers will make a difference. Let me tell you the story behind the song that we're going to use as our invitation. It's been a favorite of the church now for almost 100 years. In the 1880s, D.L. Moody holding a revival in Massachusetts and in his invitation Moody said to the crowd come and commit your future to God this young man came forward and he said to one of the counselors I'm not sure but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey Moody's song leader at the time was Daniel Towner he heard what that young man said and he wrote it down he sent that to a friend of his named J. H. Samus. J. H. Samus wrote the words and then Towner put it to music. And it's been a favorite hymn of ours for years. Trust. you're like that young man and you're ready to say I'm willing to trust my future to Jesus I'm going to commit myself to him this coming year then you come this morning and confess him as Lord let's pray Father we have learned from Jesus that you are a loving father and we are your children brothers and sisters and that you're everywhere special, it's so sacred to us because you love us so much, and Father, we do want you to be the king of our lives this coming year, and we want to live so much in your will this year, because you know what's best for us, and we trust you, and help us, Father, even in our doubt. Father, not only forgive us our sins, but give us the spirit of forgiveness and enable us this coming year to overcome the temptations of life and to do always what is good and loving. Help us to realize we are your children. You're our Father, and you know what's best for us. We pray this in the name